Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Leadership Night here at Summit Church. And I uh, want to welcome all of you that are watching online, no matter where you might be or how you might be joining us tonight. I'm so grateful that you are uh, growing your leadership with us. So even if you're not here in person, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. So if you're watching online and you would like the notes from tonight's talk, uh, if you don't mind, just uh, put a note or put your email address in the comments. Let us know, and, uh, and we'll email those out to you and let you um, get access to these notes. Whether they're valuable or not, you can um, determine that later. But uh, thank you for joining us, and for those of you in the room, appreciate you. Um, hopefully tonight is helpful. Uh, tonight is a little more personal rather than, um, you know, a lot of times we're talking about developing teams or how to have hard conversations, and tonight it really is about um, about our own personal leadership and, and character in a lot of ways. And so tonight we're going to be talking about leading behind the scenes and, um, and what does that look like. So uh, let, me, let me pray and then we'll jump into the evening. So Lord, thanks so much for all you've done. Thank you for the folks that are here and the people that are watching online. I just pray that you bless our time together tonight. I pray that you make it fruitful and, uh, and grow us as leaders so that we can lead well and, uh, and lead the people that that uh, are in our influence. So God, have your way with us tonight. In your name we pray, amen. So our context um, obviously is a little different. Um, if, if you're a pastor, and in the church world we call them moral failures, if you're a pastor and you have a moral failure, then a lot of times you're going to lose your job. Um, in, in the secular world, if you have a moral failure, a lot of times you can keep your job. So if you cheat on your wife or, uh, you know, you do something cataclysmic in your finances or something like that, it, it's something you can survive in your job. But the reality is that um, no matter what kind of work you're in, the job you do is deeply connected to our heart and to our character and to our values. And so when those things get out of alignment, when our heart's not right, then it messes up everything else. Um, a good friend of mine, Gerald Brooks, he's been with us before, and he's going to be here at the summit um, later this year. One of the things he talks about is uh, the multiple dimensions of a leader's life. And one of the things he talks about is um, that, that people oftentimes, um, in ministry context, they lose their ministry not because of what they do on stage, but what they do in life. So we're good at managing the stage, but we're really bad at managing our lives. Um, so that's why you've seen people who looked like they had all their stuff together. Um, they were people of high character, you really trusted them, and then you found out later, like, oh, they had all this stuff going on behind the scenes. And it's because uh, leadership is multidimensional, and we don't always understand how to manage and balance those dimensions well, and how to lead in multiple facets of our life. And, and really what it's about is, um, is making sure our hearts are right and uh, in a non-biblical context, um, making sure we are centered or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, I really do believe all leadership, all good leadership is biblical leadership, that there are biblical principles that we apply. Whether you believe in the Bible or not, these principles are still true. And so I think for us, as long as our hearts are centered and healthy, it helps us lead better, it helps us work better in all other aspects of our lives. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say that um, somebody was a self-centered leader, and I don't believe there's anything, there's really such thing as a self-centered leader. Um, because a true leader understands that the higher you go in leadership, the less you can care about yourself. 
Uh, the higher you go in leadership, the more you lay down your rights and your privileges and, and uh, the more accountability there is and not the less. So it's kind of opposite what you think before you get into leadership. Because before you get into leadership, you think, man, when I'm the boss, people have to take orders from me and I'm going to have all these, uh, all these privileges. And the reality is quite different if you're leading in the right way. Um, and that's why Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. He understands, hey, I've, I've attained a certain place in my leadership, but I still have to lay myself down for the good of those that I'm leading. Um, so like I said, the stage is the most visible part of leadership. And think about it in the terms of corporations. The C-suite, the CEO, COO, CFO, whatever it is, those people are very, very visible. Um, and if their personal life becomes a mess, it's amazing how often that spills over into stock prices and spills over into um, their performance and things like that. Because again, we manage the stage well, but we don't manage our lives well. Um, and, and I've told our staff before, most of the people that I went to, to college with who were studying to become pastors who aren't pastors today, it's not because they couldn't preach or because they couldn't sing, it's because they couldn't manage their personal lives well. Um, something happened and it derailed them and it prevented them from doing ultimately what God had called them to do. And I'd say the same is true in every one of our lives. If we're not careful, our life can get in the way of what our purpose is and what, our, what we're supposed to be doing, whether it's ministry or something in the secular realm or whatever it might be. So we have to learn how to, to manage our hearts well and how to develop a certain set of skills. And, and so tonight I'm gonna share, how many of these are there? Some of these will be a little longer than others. I've got nine, a list of nine for you. So I've got nine um, skills that, uh, that I would encourage you to develop if you wanna make sure that you lead, lead well behind the scenes. Uh, because if you don't lead well behind the scenes, it's gonna be hard for you to lead well on stage. So nine things to help you, or nine skills that you need to develop to lead behind the scenes well. Number one, um, you need to learn to encourage yourself. Um, I mentioned him earlier. Gerald Brooks is a fantastic leader. He's a leadership guru. If you don't know who Gerald Brooks is, I would encourage you. His leadership podcast is biblically based, so he ties scripture into leadership, and he does a wonderful job. But the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, is, it's, a, it's a great listen. I would encourage you to do so. But, but one of the things Gerald did when I first met him, and he's a high-capacity leader, has a, a church of thousands, and he is a pastor to pastors. So I, I promise if there is a pastor, a notable pastor that you know, Gerald knows him, and there's an excellent chance that Gerald has pastored them through difficult seasons of their lives. Um, and so the first time I met Gerald, he was so encouraging to me personally. And after that, whenever we would talk on the phone, it was, it was amazing how often he would say, Mel, I'm so proud of you. You're doing such a good job. And so after about the third time of this, I stopped and said, man, Dr. Brooks, thank you. I'm so honored that you would say that. I want you to know something. You don't, you don't have to say that to me. I'm okay. Like, you know, and he said, no, no, I do need to say that to you. And I want you to know why. He said, because people think the higher you go in leadership, the less encouragement you need. But he said, the opposite is true. The higher you go in leadership, the more encouragement you need, but the less you get. So he says, the, the higher you go in leadership, you're not going to be hearing people encouraging you as often as you need to, but you still need encouragement. And he said, so I just want to encourage you. I want you to know I'm proud of you. I want you to know that your kingdom is, the kingdom of heaven is bigger because of you. The kingdom of heaven is better because of you. So he said, I want to encourage you in that. And this is a guy who leads a huge church, does amazing things in the kingdom. And so for me, it was such a good lesson that I said, man, I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage others. But the reality is many of us 
um, don't have somebody like Dr. Brooks in our lives to encourage us. So we have to learn to encourage ourselves. If we're waiting on somebody else to tell us how good a job we're doing, we're gonna be in trouble. And so one of the skills we have to learn if we're gonna lead well behind the scenes is learn how to encourage ourselves in, in the right way. Because what happens for so many people, they start hearing encouraging words from the wrong people sometimes, and it starts leading them in a path they shouldn't go down. Um, so you can't wait for something that, somebody to say something good about you. you. You have to learn how to encourage yourself in that. Um, I would say you can't lead regularly and your leadership will be limited if you don't know how to encourage yourself. Because um, circumstances are not always gonna be perfect. Life is gonna be hard. And if you're waiting for everything, for the planets to come into alignment, you're gonna be in trouble. And so this is where you have to, I, I, some might say have a positive mindset, believe in yourself, whatever it might be. But look at the wins and not just the losses. So I would encourage you, figure that out. One of the things that I would tell you as well is maturity occurs the day that you realize that no one's responsible for you but you. So when we realize that nobody else is responsible to encourage me, nobody else is responsible to make me feel better, nobody else is responsible for my success, I'm responsible for it. Um, if I'm discouraged, I need to do something about it, then, then that's a step toward maturity in our life. So I would encourage you in that. Um, this, is a, this is kind of a churchy way of saying this, but I'll say it this way. The second thing would be this. Stir up your gift. Um, the things that you are passionate about, the things that you feel like God has put you on earth to do, no matter what it may be. Um, remember, remember that gifting and go back to it when you can. Because sometimes when we get discouraged, sometimes when we're struggling in leadership, it's because we've forgotten the things that we're good at and that we're passionate about and we strayed from those things. So many times um, we end up, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but so many times we stray from the important things and do the urgent things. And the urgent things that pull us away from our giftings um, will ultimately short-circuit our leadership. And so I would encourage you, stir up your gift. Um, remember what you're supposed to do and get back to those things and, and prioritize ruthlessly those things when you can. The third thing is grow yourself. Um, you're here tonight, and it's because you want to grow your leadership, and that pumps me up. I'm so glad. Those of you that are watching online, you want to grow your leadership, and that's why you're watching this. Thank you for doing that. Um, so you are ahead of a lot of people who are just hoping they grow or hoping something develops magically. Um, and, and this is where uh, I would encourage you. Maybe you're not a reader, listen to podcasts. Uh, maybe you have a short commute. Um, get around people who understand leadership. Go to lunch with people who are high-capacity leaders. But spend time with people that are going to help you grow. Uh, it's not anybody else's responsibility for you to grow except yours. So prioritize that. And if you understand growth, personal growth, and how important it is to you, then, um, then I promise you're going to be developing as a leader. Um, even by accident, if you read enough books or listen to enough podcasts, your leadership is going to expand. Even if you're a low-capacity leader, it's going to happen. Um, so I would encourage you to grow yourself. Um, leaders have to learn how to stretch themselves, put themselves in uncomfortable positions, and, and that's how we grow. So grow yourself. Number four, still yourself. Um, I was reading this last week. Let me see. I'm looking down my notes. I want to make sure I don't step on too much of the rest of this. Okay, yeah. So um, I was reading this last week about resiliency and the importance of resiliency in leadership. And, uh, and let me think. There's a, there was an article. I, 
article in the Harvard Business Review, I think. I shared it with our staff this week. But it talks about um, the, the two important aspects of resiliency in a team is that the leader can be compassionate and uh, what was the other word they used? Contain. So they can, they're compassionate with their staff, but they can contain as well. Uh, so, so what they do when they contain is they are making sure their emotions don't get out of hand, that their emotions don't take control. They can step back, compartmentalize a little bit, and make rational decisions about the things that they're facing. So this helps us be resilient whenever we understand that um, things aren't going to stay this way forever, that things are going to get better, the market's going to shift, the, the economy's going to change, whatever it is, um, that, that, hey, we have control over these things, we can change these things. So when we can contain our emotions, it helps. And so this is an important part of of leading well behind the scenes is just understanding that there's a time that, that the people we lead need to hear us say, hey guys, there's a lot going on, but, but believe me, it's gonna be okay. And, and not just in a hollow, shallow kind of way where we just go, I promise everything's gonna be all right. I, <sighs> you know, but where we go, you know what guys, I don't know what the answer is, but this is what I know. We've been through tough times before, we're gonna be okay. And just hearing something like that from their leader helps contain their emotions a little bit too. So, so for us, we have to learn how to do that. Um, leaders know how to remain calm in crisis, and that sets the tone for the people that, that they're leading. Um, there's a, a saying in Na- that among Navy SEALs that calm is contagious. And uh, it's something powerful about just saying, hey, you know what? The world is falling apart. Things are going on, and we know it is, but we're going to be okay. And, um, and just to be transparent with you, this last year, when everything was going on with COVID nationwide, is Owen coming to see me? Come on up. I'll let him help me teach. Uh, while things were going crazy nationwide with COVID, uh, for me personally, I was a little nervous. What is tomorrow going to look like? What's the future hold? What's the fall going to be? And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to trust God in this. And we were able to lead well through that with our staff and say, guys, we're going to be okay. And it wasn't in a false kind of, um, we hope it's going to be okay, but we could say it's going to be all right. And it was amazing how our staff responded to that and how our people responded to that and how much how much comfort they took in that. So we have to learn to still yourself. Number five, he really does want to help us preach, doesn't he? He wants to go on stage, just like his mama wants to be on stage. Uh, Number five, uh, this sounds a little crazy. It sounds like I'm encouraging you to be schizophrenic, but talk to yourself. Um, It's funny because sometimes my wife, um, I know my wife is watching, baby, I love you. Sometimes she'll she'll be talking and I'll I'll just go, "Are, are you talking to me? No, no, I'm just talking to myself. I'm like, okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I'm not missing anything or, you know. um, But it's important for us to talk to ourselves because it's amazing. I'm always listening to me whenever I talk to myself. I might miss what other people are saying, but I value my own voice. And so when I'm talking to myself, I hear it. And so it's important for us to be able to speak the right words into our own lives, to tell ourselves the right stories, the right narratives. Um, and it's amazing to me how many people I talk to who have um, so much brokenness and, and hurt and damage in their lives, and that stuff is real, but it's amazing how many of those people I talk to that, that and this is going to sound like I'm psychoanalyzing, but basically what they've done is they've told themselves a story over and over and over and over again about their brokenness, about their hurt, about how they were victimized, whatever it is. And, and that might be legitimate, but they are believing the story that they're telling over and over and over again. And we have the ability to, to, 
to speak life, to encourage uh, ourselves even, and to, to, to shape the narrative. Um, and so there are things that happen in our lives that we can look at from a number of different perspectives, and we're telling ourselves a story whenever we walk through that. Um, so leadership is hard sometimes because we've created um, the wrong endings to our stories, um, the wrong endings to what we're communicating. And um, <laughs> do, I need to, do I need to hire a babysitter for you next time? Okay. <laughs> no worries. Um, so sometimes leadership is an issue just simply because we have told ourselves the wrong stories and we have the wrong endings to our stories. Um, it's, it's amazing how many times in Scripture uh, we see a narrative going a certain way, and then we see it continue in that direction when somebody says, but I. It's amazing, though, when the narrative begins to shift when they say, but God, because they understand, like, okay, hey, God got involved in my situation, and this is the way it looked, but I'm trusting. And so for us, I think we talk to ourselves. We tell ourselves the right stories, um, and, and it helps us in our responses in our personal life. Um, man, I talked to a guy recently who's telling me about how hard his marriage was and how bad it was and what his wife is doing and what her behavior looks like. And I had to, I had to help him understand like, hey, look at her perspective. Look at her background. Look at, look at the baggage she brought into your marriage. And then does that help you understand her perspective a little bit? And absolutely it does. And what happened is he changed the narrative in that conversation. All of a sudden, she went from being a villain to being somebody who was sympathetic because of some of the stuff she'd been through. And so that helped him approach that differently just simply because the narrative shifted and changed. Um, so talk to yourself. Tell yourself the right story when the time comes. Um, let me see. Oh, I was trying to... I'm so used to my iPad that I was trying to scroll on my screen. I was like, why is this not working? Well, because I'm old. Um, let's see. Do I want to go through that? Okay. Um, we're not going to get into the depths of this. There, there's something called an ideal performance state, IPS. Um, and... and and one of the things in athletics they talk about is managing how do you have a great season, and sometimes the key to a great season is having a great off-season. So how are you resting? How are you storing? What is that looking like going into a, a, your season, uh, into the grind of, you know, 162 games or in the grind of 17-game season, whatever it might be. And so an off-season or the break is really important. It's really key into making sure we go into the right season well. So one of the things that's important for us to lead well behind the scenes is to rest in the moments we can. Uh, the longest match in uh, Wimbledon history was around seven hours long, I believe. And uh, I couldn't play 10, I couldn't do much of anything for seven hours. I get exhausted driving in a car for seven hours. Um, so let alone doing something active. But the key to this is that they weren't just playing tennis for seven hours. They would play for f 15 seconds and then they would have a break. Uh, they would have a break in between sets. They would have a break in between um, the, the, the games and the match. And so they were able to rest in those moments. And so they weren't just going, going, going. And sometimes we get so busy that that undermines our ability to, to perform at, in an ideal state. And so we have to understand that it's important for us to rest and understand the seasons of rest. So with our staff, we're launching a new location in Blairsville. And a lot of our staff are working like crazy people. They're working long hours. And today um, we were doing a budget meeting and one of our, uh, our accountants, said, our bookkeeper said, hey, Pastor Mel, just want to let you know this person, an hourly employee, they're getting overtime for this last week. 
like, that's great. I have no problem with that, like, because that's the season we're in. And we're going to live with that because this is a season where we're running, 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 running. But there's going to be a season where we need to slow down a little bit, where we need to take a rest so that we can perform um, at this ideal state. So understand your ideal performance state, understand rest, and, and make sure you're observing that. Seventh thing, emotional management is a must. Um, it's, it's amazing how often our emotions will undermine us. And um, I've said this publicly before, and I'll tell you guys, uh, I, I see a, a therapist, I see a counselor about every six weeks, and it's really important for me. It's part of uh, my own mental health. They're a Christian counselor, and, um, and I didn't go in originally because I was in crisis. I went originally because, uh, well, the same reason you get your oil changed. You don't, you don't get your oil changed because your engine locks up. You get your oil changed so your engine doesn't lock up, right? Um, and so I go to a therapist because I want to talk and unpack some of my emotions before I need it. And so I was talking to someone today, <clears throat> and they were asking me, how are you doing? You know, it's been over a year since your dad passed away. How are you feeling? And I just said, you know what? I'm really good. And the reason I'm good is because I set up the right emotional habits before I needed them. So if I would have waited till after I had a crisis, I would have been in so much trouble. If I was trying to dig myself out of an emotional hole, it would have taken me a long time. Our organization would have suffered. I would have suffered. My family would have suffered. And so since I managed my emotions well uh, leading up to it, I took a dip for sure, but I was able to bounce back quickly because I already had a good environment for emotional health. I already had the right habits set up. Um, one of the problems is um, we are people that we chase feelings. Um, I, I think one of the reasons divorce rates are so high in our nation and, and people, um, people jump from relationship to another is that they are chasing a feeling. We all love that feeling, the butterflies of when you first meet somebody, and that's what we chase. We chase that emotional high, that adrenaline of a new job, a new partner, a new whatever it is, and we've forgotten how important commitment is. And, and emotionally, it's important for us to understand that commitment is uh, it's, it's good for our heart. It's good for our soul at the end of the day. Um, so it's important for us to manage our emotions well, manage our hearts well, and, and to understand that the people you lead are emotional as well. Um, I said earlier, talked about containment. Um, it's great to con help contain emotions, but one of the things that's really important for leaders is to be empathetic and to... Um, I would say, from my perspective, I pastor our staff, but I would encourage you guys, the people you lead, to, um, to be compassionate to the people. Understand that every human I know right now is struggling with pandemic fatigue, and you can call it whatever you want, but people have legitimate fatigue with all the stuff going on in our world right now. So no matter what else specifically is going on in their lives, they're dealing with this, this peripheral kind of just weariness from the world we live in. And so that's gonna put people on edge. It's gonna cause them to have less margin. And so if we understand that about the people we lead, it's gonna give us more grace for them. It's gonna give us more compassion for them. And when they're dealing with situations at home, when they're going through a crisis with their kids, when they're having marital issues, it's important for us as leaders to not just look at them as a unit of value for our companies and go, well, um, you're not, you're not you know, creating the widgets we need you to create, so we're gonna have to find somebody else, but to go, hey, what's really going on with you to cause your performance to, to suffer? Uh, is it just that you're lazy, or is, it, is there something else that's undermining your performance? Let's talk about that, because that's gonna create higher performance with your team, but it's also gonna create a sense of, um, a, a sense of health with your team as well. They're gonna feel valued, that, that you care about them beyond just what they can provide for your organization. 
Um, one of the things that, that I've talked about with our staff before about emotions is that emotions are directional. If, if people feel strong emotionally, it's going to direct them somewhere. Um, it can direct them inward, and if it directs them inward, um, this is where uh, our emotions can consume us. Um, this is where we begin to be defeated. We begin to, you know, all those kind of things. It just eats us alive. Uh, it can be directed outward, and this is where it causes conflict. It causes hurt. Um, and so in the context of church, I've told our staff that at the end of the day, I want our emotions to direct us upward. I want our emotions to take us to a place where we go, okay, God, I need to talk to you about this. Like, this is where my heart is. Uh, this is what's going on in my life. And, and that is the healthiest place for it to be. But if we as leaders understand that our emotions are gonna take, your, the emotions of your teams are gonna take them somewhere. And we need to understand how to pastor them, how to steward them, how to be compassionate through that. It's gonna help us lead them better. Um, one of the things that's easy to do, and I talked about emotionals moving inward, a lot of times we isolate when that happens. So if you see a team member that begins to isolate and you know they're going through some stuff um, and they begin to isolate, the, the communication de decreases, uh, interaction, engagement decreases, uh, and you see somebody isolate, this is important to pursue them, to chase after them, check on them, what's really going on. Because isolation is not the answer for the problems. It's not going to fix it. Um, and so it's just going to get worse and worse and worse when you see that. Um, so like I said, Emotions will lead us somewhere, and it's, it's our responsibility as leaders to help the people we're leading to uh, direct their emotions in a healthy way. Uh, number eight, it's um, a long one. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll mention a couple thoughts from this. So uh, number eight, uh, disciplines of renewal are not optional. So you have to be, it kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier uh, with uh, stir up your gift. Um, you have to remind yourself, hey, what are the things that, what are the things that, that give me life? And have I gotten away from those habits? So maybe it's important for you to go out, go on a hike. And when you go on a hike, that's where you feel alive. That's where you feel better. That's where you feel renewed. Um, then you need to create time in your schedule to do that. Because if you're not at your best, you're not giving your teams your best, you're not going to give your, your families your best. And so it's important to understand um, those, those disciplines of renewal. Um, even with my team, there are, we've got a high-performing team, and our team does a great job. And so several of my team members, I have to tell them, hey, when was the last time you were able to get away? Well, I was off on Friday. Well, yeah, but did you, were you able to be renewed, or did you just watch the kids while your spouse was, no, no, I was with the kids. And I, I, love, I love my daughters, I love them. Uh, but when they were um, three and six, it was not super renewing to spend time with them. And I'm not saying you have to ignore your kids, but I'm just saying you have to carve out some time. So with one of my staff members, I just said, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to put on the calendar um, once a month, at least one day or whatever it was. And so we went through and we literally scheduled out a quarter and said, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to do it. Put it on the calendar right now. And they just had to put it on their calendar as a discipline for them to, to make sure they were renewing their heart and making sure that they were healthy and in, in a good spot. And so that's one of the things I would tell you guys to do. Um, understand the things that give you life and make sure you're prioritizing those things. Um, and in church context and spiritual context, you know, one of the most important things we can do is prayer. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody who's worn out, they're uh, exhausted, I, I can 
we can trace this back to their prayer life. What does your prayer life look like? How are you doing? Well, it's really not doing too well. And what have we done? Well, we've, we've ignored disciplines of renewal in our lives. And so I would probably say the same thing for you. If you could identify the things that bring you life and you can identify seasons of your life where you felt burnt out, and I asked you, hey, when was the last time you did? It would probably be quite a while. Um, and so we have to I prioritize those things, schedule them, get them in, do what we need to do, and... Um, and prioritize renewal. Last thing is this, energy conservation goes back to what we talked about a little bit about rest. Um, really to do more, we have to do less sometimes. Um, and mathematically, it's, it's interesting, there's some theories that say doing less is mathematically doing more in some ways. And so I think for us understanding that sometimes our best use of energy is conserving energy, it's interesting, uh, but we struggle with that. Um, there was a, a study done by Cal Berkeley, UCLA, I don't remember, um, school in California, and it was thousands of people. And what they discovered is people were so uncomfortable waiting with no stimuli that they would actually, they elected to shock themselves instead of sitting quietly. Like 70% was the number, would rather shock themselves with a low-voltage shock than sit and wait patiently. And the number was like 20 minutes they had to sit quietly. And about 70% of the people would rather shock themselves, which is somewhat shocking to me that they would do that because uh, I've got a low pain threshold and I don't want to electrocute myself for sure. But that is just a great illustration for how many of us as leaders, um, when there's when there seems to be no pro forward progress in our personal life, in our organization, whatever it is, we feel the need to do something even if it's damaging to us, even if it might potentially hurt us. We gotta do something, we gotta move forward. And I will tell you, I'm guilty of that. Um, I feel like if, if we're not moving forward and moving forward at the right pace, we might as well be moving backwards. And that's part of how I'm wired. And I've gotta come to grips with this idea that, hey, sometimes the most important thing for us to do is stop moving and to find a place to rest and to say, um, hey, I'm gonna conserve my energy right now so I can give my best for this next season. And so I think that's important for us to do. Um, I got a few more uh, thoughts on that, but it's uh, 7.30 already, and I want us to get to some Q&A and some conversations and unpacking that. So, so that's where we're at. Uh, like I said, I've got some more things in my notes that if you're interested, I can send those to you. Um, if you were, if you were uh, passing the clipboard around, if it hasn't gotten to you, if you'll sign in tonight and uh, give me your email address, we'll get you these notes uh, tomorrow. We'll send them out to you. And uh, the same thing for those of you that are watching online, hey, put your name or your email address in the comments section and we'll email you notes tomorrow if you'd like that. So let us know. Uh, Michael, you got, the, uh, you got the mic. He is the holder. You, you have the conch. So um, you got any thoughts or questions? Or Yeah, I'll just start with the point that you finished on and the idea of moving forward and the importance of moving forward. So I actually think that a great way to encourage yourself is to observe yourself moving forward in the direction of success. The problem is once you succeed, the way forward isn't as obvious anymore once you've achieved your success. And so can you speak about the importance of casting a vision which extends beyond like simple goal setting? So you always have like a place to move forward to. Um, a couple things off the top of my head I would say is that um, I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are ahead of you 
um, who have achieved a level of success that you would aspire to, um, to always have some of those people in your life. Uh, because if not, then it's real easy to get to a place where you go, man, we're successful and become complacent. Uh, so I think that's a big thing, uh, to, to continue to do that. And then not in a competitive way, but just understanding that, that there's more than this. Um, one of the things about uh, our church, and Todd has been with us since the very beginning almost, and one of the things that I think is fun now in hindsight is looking back at how we could help our church dream bigger and stretch, uh, because in our context, when I came, our church was maybe the biggest church in town, and so there was this kind of idea of, well, why would we, why would we need to grow? We're already the biggest church in town. And it was like, no, 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 it's not about being the biggest church in town. Let's stretch your vision, stretch your, and so if, if, if my vision would have been limited, then our organizational vision would have been limited, and we would have gone, hey, we got 600 people, we're the biggest church in town, and not understanding that there's way more than, and so I, some of that just comes from seeing other things and being around people who, who dream big, so. Yeah, that's good. Good question. Questions, comments, feedback? Whatever it might be, lay it on me. Christy. I'm wondering, I love the tips. Is there like a practical thing you do every day as a leader that's like on your calendar to take care of yourself since you don't really have like leadership here for you? Yeah. Um, well, part of it is um, I've got people who call me out. And so some of my overseers, I've got, I've got two overseers. And then uh, Gerald Brooks is kind of like an overseer for me, but he's, uh, it's not official. But those three, uh, those three guys will kick my rear in a loving way. And uh, some of the best conversations I've had have been with those guys going, hey, how's your heart? What's going on with you right now? Man, you've been running like crazy really hard. What's going on with you right now? And just having honest conversations with them going, eh. And so that's not a daily thing, but I think that's important. Um, I think it's important, not just with people that are over you, but just people around you, maybe peers, to be able to have honest conversations and give, be able to give feedback about, man, how are you doing? Because even our staff, you know, they love me and they're concerned for me and they're checking on me and, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And they'll say things like, man, if you need to leave early today, leave. And it's like, yeah, I know, I'm the boss. I can leave whenever I want, right? You know? <laughs> But it's important to have people to be able to speak that stuff into you. And so I think that's part of it. You, so your mentors, do they check in with you or do you check in with them? And like No, most of the time I'll check in with them. Okay. So I've, I've told people, men, um, you have to call a mentor, but uh, a, a parent will call you. A mom or a dad will call you. And so honestly, of my, my overseers, I've got a couple that are like spiritual fathers for me. And they're going to call me a lot of times. Uh, if they haven't heard from me in a while, they're going to call me, but, but I don't expect them to do that. So if you can find that, that's gold, but, but now you're going to have to call your mentors. Um, but I mean, again, it's the simple stuff for me, like, but it's the simple stuff that we can throw away or that we can disregard. Well, I'm too busy to pray this morning. Oh, I've got this appointment and I slept in. I'll, I'll, I'll pray later. But it's like, man, if I don't, if I'm not spiritually centered, then it's going to mess up the rest of my day. You know, so I, even if it's, 10 minutes while I'm getting ready, I'm just making sure, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take some deep breaths. I'm going to, you know what's crazy is this stupid Apple watch when it reminds me to breathe, hey, it's time to breathe. And it's like, well, I breathe all the time. I'm still alive. But it's amazing when I go, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like after I breathe for one minute doing the deep breaths, I feel better. Yeah. And so I think there's just things we do to help us pause and 
take a break. And yeah, I teach my kids that, like mm -hmm. just breathe, and they feel better, but I can't take my own advice. And the, the problem is when you've got the pillow over their head, you're like, stop crying, <laughs> just breathe. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's been a while since Yeah, okay, that's good, good. <laughs> what else? Comments, questions? Do you think that um, high-caliber leaders could benefit from actively shattering the illusion that every domain of their life is excellent? So like in your case, if people try to treat you like a super Christian or a super pastor or a superhuman, like what are some ways that you would try to bring that down so that, because this, this leads, this is related to your point about how uh, high-caliber leaders, their personal life can sometimes impact their professional life. And so I was wondering if some of that is just people making mountains out of molehills, and what are some ways of preventing that? Um, man, this is so hard, um, because no matter what our context is, uh, whatever our given culture is, whether it's a, you know, um, a company or, you know, whatever it is, it's easy for a little bit of a celebrity feeling to begin to rise up. And we've talked about this in church contexts, like, oh, the celebrity church pastor is a pastor of a big church. But I've known some pastors of small churches who had a celebrity church pastor mentality. You know what I mean? They were entitled, and they thought they were the star. And so it has nothing to do with the size of the church or the context. I think we can all do that if we're not careful. I think something that, you know, I mentioned to, to Christy, just having people around you who can speak truth to you is really important. Like giving people permission, no one agrees. You just let them speak truth into you is important. I think, I think being consistent with who you are is really important, that I'm not going to be one person in the office and another person at home. You know, that helps maintain some of that, that, that you don't have a persona and then your real life, you're not Superman and Clark Kent, you know, you are the same person. So I think that's, that's important just as a personal, personal discipline for my own heart. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? So you gave us nine principles. Could you choose a couple of these that you think may be most difficult when you're leading from the middle, not from the top? Uh, when you're not leading, leading from the second chair, or the third chair, or, uh, probably grow yourself. If I was going to pick one from my perspective, grow yourself, manage your emotions, those two, those two would probably be the most important from my perspective. Uh, and and uh, you could argue that. Because I think, again, if you are somebody who's in the middle of an organization somewhere and you're expecting somebody above you just to grow you, like, well, nobody's mentoring me. Well, that's not their job. Like, go make yourself better. Go add value to the organization, you know. So I think that's important. And then maybe it's just because I'm in the middle of managing some weird emotions and some people in our church right now that I'm, that's a priority for me too. I think if you can manage your emotions well, it, that you're adding value to the organization. So Bob, did you have something? Yeah, I do. Um, based on our conversation tonight, I'm assuming you don't look in the mirror and say, Mel, you're the greatest in order to encourage yourself. I don't. <laughs> so how do you practically encourage yourself? Um, I, I, I think, um, uh, I don't put too much weight into the critics or the fans. Um, I got, <laughs> I didn't even told our staff this, I got a uh, seven-page typed, single-spaced letter from someone, former member of our church, who 
I started reading it, and as soon as I did, I knew exactly what it was. And, uh, and I just, I, I wanted to make sure, so I kind of flipped through. I didn't read the whole thing, but I just flipped through and would pick a couple spots. And as I went through it, I was like, I'm not reading this. Like, I'm not giving that, I'm not planting that seed in my heart at all. So, um, I, you know, I just wanted to make sure, and sure enough, it looked like what I assumed it was, and I went and shredded it right that second. I was like, I'm not going to look at this. Um, so, because their opinion, number one, doesn't really matter to me, because they're not even part of our church. Number two, it's probably not as valid as they think it is, and it's not going to be as bad as I think it is once I read it. So, I'm just going to leave it. I'm not going to worry about it. And then the people who have drunk the Kool-Aid and think I could never do anything wrong, I have to temper that and go, nah, they're just, they're delusional. Like, they don't know what they're talking about either. They don't, they don't really know me. So I try not to put too much weight into what either one of them are saying. That helps me, I think, un- be healthier and balanced and uh, not get too far either way where I stink and, you know, or I'm awesome or I don't know. I think the series we're in right now is helpful for a question like that because we're going to talk this week about uh, I am what I do, this lie of I am what I do. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we're talking about the lie of I'm nothing more than my worst mistake. And then I'm nothing, I'm not nothing less than my best, uh, than my best moment. So I think we're unpacking some of that, but that's something I think everybody struggles with. That was a really long answer. Sorry. Good question. As a leader, how are you able to listen to the ways that your, your staff is suffering something like emotional weaknesses without viewing them as a risky investment? Hmm. Um, I think because, oh gosh, this is going to sound somewhat arrogant. I've hired the right people in the first place, so I have enough trust in who we're bringing on that I know, like, if they're having an issue, it's not because there's a fundamental problem with them. It's just something they're going through. So I think that's, that's an easy one, I think, at the end of the day for me. It's good. One of the things that you said was to prioritize ruthlessly. Can you give any um, tips on how to yeah. do that? Or? Yeah, yeah, let me do that. Todd, were you going to ask a question regular, re- related to that last thing? Move, we're moving on? Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So... Um, how to prioritize ruthlessly. I think um, I'm, I'm very direct, and it's easy for me to be pretty direct with people and to say no if I need to. But the truth is, and I mentioned this, the, um, the urgent can hijack the important. And so I think sometimes we feel like, oh, my schedule, and oh, I've got too much to do, and I wish I had three more hours of my day. And a lot of times it's not that we're that busy. It's just we're busy with the wrong things. And so I think taking a step back and going, okay, could somebody else have done this? Could I have asked somebody else in our office to do this? Or could I have asked, you know, and did this really have to happen today? Maybe it's urgent, but it's not important. So let's, let's rearrange some of these things. Um, and so I, I know for me personally, when I feel like things are getting out of hand, I can take, if I can take a step back and identify it, a lot of times I can go, well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this immediate pressure from this urgency, and I'm feeling this overall pressure because I know I'm not doing things I need to get done, and this is bearing down on me down the road. So I think that has been something that's been really helpful for me. Does that make sense? So how do you then, do you have any pointers on, um, I guess, like when you're in 
when you're trying to weed out what's urgent versus what's important, how do you politely explain, like, I, I'll get to that, I'll do that, but... Yeah, I, I think um, everybody's context is different. I know your context a little bit. And so, like, I think it comes back to being direct and honest and saying, hey, I've only got so many hours and I, I, what, you, what you're asking me to do is really important, but I just can't do that right now because I have this and this and this I need to do. So here's what I'm going to do when I can do it. If that's acceptable to you, I'll still do it, but it's not going to be today by 3 o'clock. It's going to be next week, and if you're okay with that, then I'll still do it. If not, we've got to figure out another solution. Um, I think we're afraid of what they're going to say if we say that. And obviously, if it's your boss, you can't go, yeah, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. I'll do it next week, you know, to some degree. But uh, even with your boss, I think it's, it's okay to be honest and go, man, if you're asking me to do these things, what would you like me to not do? Is there something, because you've asked me to do all these things, so what should I, I'm asking you, what are you telling me to not do or not prioritize? I think that's, those are good questions to ask and good ways to approach it. Yeah. You know, what's difficult, what's, what's difficult is in some instances, like in the business that I'm in, I'm, my, I'm the leader, I'm the office staff, I'm the, you know, so on and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, fill in the gap, uh, yeah. fill, you know, fill it in. And, you know, when we talk about prioritizing, that's difficult for, I think, for everybody mm -hmm. to kind of go through that list. But... Um, you know, there's there's tools that can help as far as like block scheduling mm -hmm. and things like Absolutely. that, which, you know, I've tried and it's 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 hard to build a block schedule and then actually stick to it, mm -hmm. knowing that you're going to carve out that hour to do this, and then you're supposed to just stop. Mm -hmm. Well, well, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's difficult that way, and I have difficulty with I build that list, and the list is just it's not uh, attainable. Mm -hmm. You know, I started out the morning with, you know, 27 things on it. There's no way. Yeah. Um, or, or you do eight of the things, but you add nine things to the list. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. That there's that never-ending, and, and I think that we can all probably put ourselves in that position at some point. Yeah. Which then, that becomes burnout for yourself, too. Absolutely. That, you know, you know so... But, but some of the things that I've tried are, you know, block uh, scheduling and things like that. Yeah. Well, and uh, every environment's a little different. I mean, we've got, we've got some people in this room, but we've got people in our church that are um, in auto sales. And the reality is you've got to work when people are buying. If you, if you want to sell cars, you can't work from midnight to three on Tuesdays and expect to make any money because that's not when people are buying cars. So some of that is dependent on the market you're in and you know the field and what you're wanting to do. And maybe it's a season where you go, man, I'm, I'm a solo operator. I'm the only one doing this right now. So I've got to do all this stuff, but, but I'm working toward a season where I'm not gonna be the only one and my hours are gonna shift a little bit. But yeah, everybody's situation's a little bit different, so yeah. Yeah, block scheduling, I think, is good. We've talked about that a little in the past, um, prioritizing, but... Just to yeah. add a little bit to that point, too, I think that it can be important to uh, establish a reputation for being selective in the way that you prioritize things. So, mm -hmm. for instance, I have a pretty good idea of the people in my life and who, if they say no to me, that it's not personal. It's just yeah. the way that person is. They say no to a lot of things. And yeah. so what... It's important, I think, to establish the reputation of being selective, but it's it maybe more important to 
break down the reputation of being like a yes man or somebody who just mm -hmm. says yes to lots of things because then if you say no, then it's like, well, what did I do to that person or what, you know, how did, they would take more offense to it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think when you, the more boundaries you set and the more clearly you have them, the easier it is for the people around you to understand that. You know, the, the more consistent you are with those, the more likely they are to observe those, so. I know I'm guilty of sometimes being like to our staff, like, guys, don't work when you go home. Take off. And then I'll email somebody at 1.30 in the morning. And it's like, I'm sending the wrong message right now. I know it, but I'm thinking about this. And anyway, so, yeah. Do you think that, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't see your hand. Do you think that emotional compartmentalism is a good strategy for preventing workplace instability? And what are some ways that our emotions can benefit our workplace performance? Do you write these while I'm talking? Yes. Holy cow. Um, I mean, from an emotionally, compartmentalizing emotionally can be really helpful in some instances. If you live your life that way, it's not healthy, it's not good. Uh, so it's not good to be run by your emotions, but it's also not good to, to compartmentalize your emotions all the time either. There's gotta be a balance to that. But, you know, I've talked about, um, so, I mean, I mentioned earlier, my dad passed away last year. So uh, this last Christmas, I had to preach on his, the anniversary of his death on the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve. And I was anticipating it being hard, but I just kind of compartmentalized it emotionally. Like, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to go preach, and I'm going to be fine. And I was. But I can't live my life that way, or I'm going to be in trouble. So I was able to do a um, task, but if I just lived that way, it's, it's going to hurt me in the long run. Uh, emotions can be really healthy. I mean, there's lots of positive emotions we tap into as leaders, that we're connecting with people emotionally. If all we're doing is connecting with them on an intellectual basis, they're going to they're gonna follow us to some degree, but their heart's never going to be there. So if we can connect with our, our, our teams on an emotional level, then they're going to be all in. And instead of just like, yeah, I'm going to perform my duties, I'm going to hit these tasks. So, yeah, I think there are emo a good emotional um, good emotions that we tap into and we can engage and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good. Christy? At what level would you teach this to a leader on your team? Because I feel like some of it could be like, you know, from the very beginning, like these are good habits, but mm -hmm. I also wouldn't want to, for lack of better words, them. waste my, or, or waste my time, oh, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't have very much time. Um, so, yeah, like what level do you think? Um, I mean, I think it depends on the leader. Um, and I don't know that I would, I would pick and choose who I'm doing this with necessarily, because there might be some people that you would go, I don't know if I want to invest in them this way, that would shock you that they show up and they, they outperform what you perceive them to be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't know what that looks like if you do that one-on-one, -on -one, maybe in your context, it's something where you do a call or you do, yeah. you know what I mean? And hey, I wanna share this with you. But, you know, you, you share it with the group, but then you go, but man, I really wanna drill down with these key leaders yeah, okay. and talk about these principles with them and make sure they're guarding their emotional health and making sure that they're not just performing well on stage, but the offstage stuff, their hearts are good, you know? Okay. So that's the way I might approach it in your context. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, Todd. Well, I was not to Jesus juke that whole thing, but, <laughs> um, you know, I would say, too, though, that 
Jesus invested into Judas the same things that he did in the other 12. Yeah. Knowing, you know, he knew that there wasn't going to be a return on that. He knew exactly yeah. what he was getting back. Yeah. But right. he invested in Judas anyway in that regard. And so uh, I think sometimes we just, as leaders, have to invest in the people that God has placed in front of us in, in, in faith, just going, you know what, God, I'm going to do this as an act of worship even. I'm just going to do this as a discipline. And if they, if they leave, they leave. Um, but I'm just going to be faithful with what you've placed in my hands. And the moral of that is even Jesus hired bad leaders sometimes. So even Jesus messed up once in a while when it came to who he was staffing. I'm kidding. Jesus did mess up. <laughs> Makes me feel better, though, about some of my decisions in the past. So what else? I did have a question, too, though. Yeah. Um, you said disciplines of renewal are not optional. Uh, how can people go about um, identifying the disciplines that are renewing for them? Because I think it's different for different people. Yeah, I think, um, and I'd not, I'm happy to hear your feedback on that, but I think um, we can look at our histories a little bit and go, because maybe, maybe we've never conscientiously thought about what are the things that renew me? But if we look back at our lives and go, well, what are the things that, I, that, I, that put the smile on my face? What are the things that I finished and maybe I was tired, but emotionally I was, I was, you know, they, so I think if we look back at our history, that'll give us some clues on things that would, you know, be renewing for us. And then just figuring out how do we replicate that and how do we put ourselves in positions to experience that or whatever it might be. Because it, maybe it's something as simple as reading a book, uh, but maybe it's something like going out and experiencing nature, whatever it is. But I think if we look back and we go, hey, what brings me life? Um, so I'm an introverted extrovert, if I can say it that way. So I love people, but I'm, I'm not, re I don't get recharged by being around a big group of people. I get recharged by being by myself. And so there's a lot of Sunday nights. Does anybody remember going to movies, movie theaters? There used to be movie theaters where they would show movies. And so like on Sunday nights, I'd go see a movie by myself sometimes. Like Kim would have a Bible study at the house and I'd go sit in a movie theater and eat popcorn and Reese's under, they are very, um, underrated by the way Reese's and popcorn and just sit there and turn off my brain and I would feel better just rested and anyway so I think looking back at your past will help determine that a little bit do you have a thought on that Todd No. Oh, okay Bob does though Bob you need to write a book about that I just had an idea for you maybe I'll do that um, I found that why I do something is as important as what I do uh-huh and yep. a, a classic good. example for me is fishing is one of my outlets. Mm -hmm. But if I go out to catch X number of fish, yep. it's not relaxing because I'm That's trying good. to be productive or I'm trying to produce. Yep. But if I go just to enjoy the experience, then it renews me. So really good. I think that that's an important thing for a lot of us. Why we do something has as much an effect sometimes in our ability to rest with it. And be yeah, renewed. that's really, really good. Which of your books would uh, be most helpful for that kind of idea? The Search for Rest. 50. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, I don't and know it, how I missed that one. I was trying to think through your books. I was like, I know I've read that. It, Which one was that? Anyway, it's only 99 cents this week on Amazon Kindle. That's right. Bob Santos, Search for Rest. If you're watching online, go download it right now. So, What else? What do we got? We got a couple more minutes, probably enough time for one more question. Anyone want to finish this out well? 
No pressure now. After I so this that. might be a related question, really, but you know, under emotional management, you kind of said the same thing about uh, set up habits that you need before you need them. Yeah. Um, how does someone go about knowing what those habits might be? I think that maybe goes hand in hand with renewal, but I don't it know. It does. I think renewal is a part of that, but renewal is it's more than just renewal. I mean, so for me, it was um, being in healthy relationships with people um, who can speak truth into me, you know, peers and people who are above me spiritually. Um, and, um, you know, starting to go see a counselor, um, making sure I'm guarding my schedule. So, you know, I'm not working 80 hours a week, every week, you know, just things like that, which seem really practical, but those are all the things that, that I feel like those are our guardrails that, that help us stay on the road. So when we, you know, hit that emotional moment, that cataclysmic event, it doesn't put us in the ditch. It's, it keeps us on the road. I mean, we might be banging against the guardrails a little bit. We might be dented and, fin you know, dented up when we're done with it, but we're not going to end up in the ditch that way. So, I mean, so for me, it was some of that stuff that I feel like as a, as a Christian, I need to be doing anyway, you know, and it just makes sense to go, oh yeah, and this stuff. And so I think renewal is part of that, but I think all those things, because honestly, I don't know that I feel renewed after I talk to my counselor, you know, I wouldn't define it that way, but it's a healthy discipline for me. So I think some of that stuff, and maybe we reverse engineer it. Maybe we reverse engineer it and go, hey, if I ended up in a ditch, what would I have to do? Man, I'd probably have to be in counseling. I'd probably, I would want to spend time with friends who are going to help me, you know. And so maybe we just do those things, but do them before we get in the ditch. Does that make sense? I never really thought about it that way, but we're just processing this out loud. So I don't know. Good question. Do we have a question that can be asked and answered in two and a half minutes or less? If not, I'm okay with that. Michael's already disappeared, so yeah, Jody. I think it depends. I think there's going to be, uh, so the question was, how often do you have those, that renewal? And I think it depends. I think there are seasons that maybe you would need renewal once a week, you know, and there might be seasons where you go, you know what, I'm, I'm healthy and things are good and, you know, there's not as much of a drag on my soul or on my health or on my heart, whatever it is. So, yeah, I can go six weeks without having a day or, a you know, where I'm just saying I'm being renewed. But I think it, it just comes back to you being aware of your own spiritual health, you know, and being mature enough to be able to go, ooh, I'm not where I need to be. Like, oh, man, I, I sense I'm a little unhealthy. You know, I see some of those things like, man, the way I'm responding to the kids or how I responded to my wife, whatever it is. I think if we can be aware of those things, those are the, those are the check engine lights that come on in our heart that we go, okay, I need to do something about that. And so if we're aware of that stuff, then that helps. And so... I don't know if you have to do it once a week, but there are probably some seasons where you'll, you'll need to. Does that make sense? Good question. Good question. Hey, uh, I'll stick around, and you guys feel free to stick around and visit some uh, as we finish up. Uh, those of you that are watching online, thanks for joining us. So appreciate it. And uh, if you don't have a church home, come join us some Sunday, some Saturday night. And uh, if you live in Blairsville, we're coming soon to Blairsville. So, uh, so make sure you get connected. Let me pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thanks so much. For, uh, 
for what you do in us, in our hearts as leaders. And God, I pray that we would never lead at the neglect of our own hearts and our own souls. And I pray that you would help us steward our own health, our own emotional, spiritual health well. And I pray as we do, we would lead others well in a way that brings glory to you, our families, our, our companies, our teams, whatever it might be. So God, thank you for what you've given us. And I pray that we would endeavor to glorify you through it. Have your way with us. Grow our leadership so we can grow our influence, so we can grow your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless you.